You're listening to a live recording from one of our midweek services here at Cornerstone Church in Salisbury, North Carolina. We want to thank you so much for tuning in. We believe this message will be a blessing to your life. In this installment of our series, Who is God? Pastor Brandon Spark will be continuing to teach us about the doctrine of God. We hope you're ready for this life-changing message. It's time to come into a greater understanding of who God is. Tonight, we're going to go on part three of the doctrine of God. How many have been blessed by this? How many of you heard something you ain't heard before? And, and uh, how many of you walked away going, wow. I, I always try to just drop one thing in there that is going to make you want to come back for more. And uh, if uh, you don't, uh, if you get lost writing scriptures tonight, just contact Cindy Johnson. She'll have them all recorded for you and uh, worked out. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, we'll start verse 1 and 3. And we've been reading to this and this is what we're really doing. We're going verse 1 and through 3. Therefore, leaving the principles of doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Everybody say maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on the hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Verse 3, and this we will we do if God permit. So he's saying we're leaving the elementary. We're going for the meat. We've, we talked about the milk of the word growing up spiritually. Now a lot of what you're hearing is what we call the meat of the word. And we'll just keep getting deeper and deeper as things progress and move forward. And next thing you know, we'll put a PhD in front of your name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, now, last week we talked about, uh, last week we kind of just reiterated some things that uh, we talked about Genesis 1.26 when he said, let us create men in our own image. And we talked about how when it refers to in the word, uh, it is referring to uh, plural, but in the, the plural actually reverts to the singular of Jehovah. So anytime you saw in the Old Testament where it says, let us, it's referring uh, to the majesty or the greatness or the amplification of who that person is. Uh, how many of you know we have one God, but he's got many different names? He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi. He's, he, he's, he's, he's bigger than just one name or one thing. Can you say amen? amen. We talked about how we are a spirit that lives in a body and we have a soul, right? So, but, but at the end of the day, you still have the same what? name. You're still the same person. And we talked about that. We talked about Genesis, you know, one, God created, con confirming that he is here, uh, comes from Elohim, which is plural there. And then it goes to singular, which translates out again to Jehovah. And it's used as a modifier or as a, uh, a way to indicate intensity. All right. Then we talked about Jesus, God incarnate, which is Jesus walking in the flesh. Now I want to talk a little bit more. We're, we're going to get into this now from the uh, really about Jesus in the flesh. Now remember, when we, when we hear about the Son of God, we know that that, repre, repre, 
represents God in humanity. Everybody say humanity. Or God in the flesh. And a lot of people don't understand that he was, Jesus was 100% God, but also what? 100% man. He could have never purchased the redemption for you and I had he not been 100% man and dealt or was tempted by the same things that you and I are tempted in this world. Okay? So he had to go through and had he was not exempt from the same feelings, the rejection, the abandonment, the, the trials, the challenges, the tribulations. He was not exempt from that. Now, he, was, he, he obviously was a human. We know by reading the Gospels that he was tempted by the devil. But what? He overcame them all and was sinless and blameless. And that's why he was able to purchase you and I at Calvary. So when, when we look at his life, we have to understand that anytime it refers to the Son of God or we're using Jesus, we're talking about God in humanity, which is Jesus, which is God in the flesh. Everybody say God in the flesh. Go to Micah chapter 5 verse 2. Let's read here. But thou, Bethlehem, Freda, Ephreda, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come, what? Forth unto me that is, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from what? The old, from what? Everlasting. So anytime you see the scripture referring to everlasting or from the old, it's referring to out of eternity. So we know that everything that God has have spring forth out of eternity, out of everlasting. Now go to Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 and then we'll go to Luke 1.35. But Matthew, behold... A virgin shall what be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Okay? Which being interpreted is who? Okay, so God, it's God who? Okay, if it was a separate individual, why wouldn't he say here? If he's calling him Emmanuel... Why wouldn't they write God's, uh, the second person or the second in command or son of God or whatever he's referring, God is what? So we know this is an indication that this is God himself in the flesh walking among men came here in the earth to do what no man has ever been able to do in the earth. Can you say amen? Abraham tried to do it. Noah tried to do it. Uh, all of Moses tried to do it. They all tried to bring about redemption for man. And God finally got tired of it and said, I've had enough with man trying to make it happen. I'm going to put on a bodysuit myself. I'm going to go down into the earth and I'm going to bring about redemption to man and I'm going to restore back the power to my creation. Can you say amen to that? 
Because we know Adam lost it when they ate of the fruit of, of the enemy's lips. They were what? They were dislocated or kicked out of the garden. Okay, do you understand that when they were kicked out of the garden, what happened? The Lord sacrificed an animal. They sewed fig leaves together when they felt when they saw that they were naked, right? They really weren't naked before that. They were covered in the glory of God. But they, they, what, the scales fell from their eyes. They put fig leaves together, and then they tried to hide from God. Have you ever tried to hide from him? They tried to hide, and he, the Bible says that he walked through the cool of, of the, he walked in the garden. They were used to God walking with them. He's been walking with you, and now you're hiding from him. And walk, now they're hiding from him, and he calls out that, Adam, where art thou? Now, he knows where they are. He said, but we're, we're naked. He said, because you, you ate of the fruit. You, you listened to the lie. The lie is you can be. The truth is you already are. And they listened to the lie. When are you going to stop listening to the lie? Oh, that's good right there. When are you going to start, stop listening to the lie of how other people feel and look about you and think about you? When are you going to stop listening to the lie that because you were raised this way, you've got to be this way the rest of your life? When are you going to stop listening to the lie that just because grandma told you and great grandma told you and it's always just been like this and you're worried about how you, people's perception of you will be because you really know the truth, but you don't want to tell them you know the truth because you're worried of how they will feel it. It doesn't quit listening to the lie. The enemy wants you to hold what God has put in you because he knows if it ever gets out, God will change your life and change everybody around you's life. Can you say amen to that? Now, when he kicks them out of the garden, what does he do? He kills an animal. The, the, the animal's going, I didn't do anything. I'm innocent. Why are you? Why? Because there had to be blood spilled for, for the, the, the sin that was committed. Man started killing animals from that point on. All through the Old Testament and God said, that's it. That's it. I'm going to pay the ultimate price. That the blood of calves and goats and doves and sheep and ram can't pay. And they're, they, you know, because what you don't understand that in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, they had to constantly cut and kill animals the blood had to flow constantly if the blood from the animals ever stopped flowing then the redemption or the atonement of sin would stop flowing so he goes i'm gonna make sure that this blood never stops flowing again and it will not only flow from past but it will flow into the years hundreds and thousands of years that come and that blood, what, still flows today. And God restored the power back to creation where the Spirit of God could dwell in us. Can you say amen? Luke 135. Man, I got to hurry. I got caught up there. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, 
and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall, shall, or shall be called the Son of God or the humanity of God. God in the what? Flesh here. All right. Let, let, let's go to, um, write these down. I'm not going to go over these, but write these down here. And this is just for you to study in your own time. Isaiah 7.14. Uh, Isaiah 9.6. Matthew 2.11. Luke 2.38. And Hebrews 1.6. So let's talk about the divine nature of God now. And, and, and let's talk about the divine nature of Jesus is the Father. Okay? Let, let's go to Isaiah 9, 6 here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is what? Given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the what? The mighty what? The everlasting father. Okay? So he's a, remember, he's called, he said a son shall be given, but then he goes down and says what? He is a counselor, the mighty God, and then he says he's the everlasting father. Remember what we read in Micah 5.2. He comes out of the old and what? The everlasting. Okay? Same, 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 the same person, God, who created the heavens and the earth is now stepping into humanity. But one of, as he steps into humanity, his divine nature is a father to you and I. So that's why, that's why, he, what? He, he is, that is God moving in the parental. A parental relationship with you. He, he's saying, look, I'll stick closer to you than a brother, but I'll be your father. Which means the father is the provider. He says, I'll be your provider. I'll make a way. I'll raise you up in my ways. I'll nurture you. How many of you know there's nothing like having a father in your life? Okay? You know, you think about... Bishop Godare and how many people through the 35 years he pastored and fathered. That many of them didn't even have a father. Uh, but because of his, his anointing and give to father, it gave them a chance in life to be successful and to get where God was called to be. If the devil knows he can destroy a father, he knows... That he can win the family. Did, did you hear what I said? That's why he goes after the men. And yes, he, he wants after the woman. But he knows the easiest way to get to the woman is to get to the man. The father. Amen. So it's divine nature. He'll be a father when your father treated you bad. He'll be, he'll be a father that will never leave you. And nor forsake you. Amen. Isaiah 63, 16. Doubtless thou art our what? Father. 
Though Abraham be arrogant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not, thou, O Lord, art our, who? Fathers. Are what? Okay, who redeemed you? Jesus. So he says, you're our father, our redeemer. Thy name is what? Everlasting. Are you putting all the coordination together? John 10, verse 30. This is short here. I and my father are... Good night. Now, that verse is written in red in your Bible. I didn't say it. He said it. I and my Father are one. Matter of fact, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Go ahead and clap there. Now, don't take my word for it, okay? I want you to get in your Bible and read it. All right? Here's some other scriptures you need to look up. Are you ready, Cindy? Okay. Remember, if you know, I thought I was going to be held at gunpoint last week in the, in the, in the lobby here because people were trying to get my notes. So, uh, John chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. Acts chapter 2, verse 24. John 14, 8 through 11, and Colossians 2, 9. Okay? So we know part of God's divine, or Jesus' divine nature is the Father. We also know that the divine nature of Jesus is the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. John 14, 6, 8. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that ye may abide, w- abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not. Neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Okay, stop right there. He says, you know him. Okay, he said, I'm sending a comfort, but you already know him. Okay, you don't know somebody if you ain't been with them. For he dwelleth, what? He says, he's, the humanity of God has dwelled with you, but I'm not just going to dwell with you, I'm going to dwell in you. Jesus said, I'm going to get on the inside of you. He says, you know him. That's what it says, right? This is in red too. He says, you know me. He said, but I don't want to just be around you. I want to be in you. That's good, ain't it? Second, uh, oh, hold on, yeah. And I will not leave you Comfortless, but what? I will. To who? I will. Not my daddy. I'm coming to you. 
Don't that excite you right there? Don't that just put the gasoline on your wood? Because you think about the creation of heaven and earth, but also the one that redeemed you said, I'm not just going to be with you, but I'm going to be within you. That's powerful, isn't it? Uh, Let's see here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is that what? And where the Spirit of the Lord is. Now the Lord is that Spirit. Not somebody else. The Lord is that Spirit. Luke 21, 15. I got to hurry. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Okay, what, what is he saying? He said, I'm, I'm putting something in you that is going to compel the lost and dying that even your adversaries, he said, that's, that's the difference when I went from me being around you and then me being within you. Amen. Ain't that good? All right. Uh, Mark 13, 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak, neither ye shall premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not of ye that you speak, but what? So he says, when I get in you, when God himself gets in you, you'll no longer speak the words of the flesh. But remember, the Holy Ghost is God in activity or the indwelling of the Spirit of God. So when he's inside you, he overtakes you. The Bible says, know ye not, ye are the what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. Ain't that good? All right. So somebody gave me this question, and I thought it was good, and I wanted to answer. Uh, Go to John. They said to me, how do you explain John 20, 22? All right. And when I answer your questions next week, I'm not just going to answer. I'm going to give you the best of my ability. I'm going to give you a scripture with it to confirm my response, okay? So I'm not just going to tell you what Brandon thinks. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, all right? And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive, what? Ye, the Holy Ghost. Now, I I want you to understand here that when he is talking, he is, uh, when he is talking to them, this is a commandment and a prophecy Of what is to come. Okay. When he breathed on them. Some theologians teach that when he breathed on them. That when he breathed on them at that moment. They received the Holy Ghost. But we know that's not accurate. Because we know the Holy Ghost did not manifest. Until he was glorified. He said I cannot. The Holy Ghost cannot come till I'm glorified. Okay. So they didn't receive that at that mo- most. Now we know. Now go to John seven thirty nine. 
The Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But, yet, but this he spake he of the Spirit, which they have believed on him, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was yet not what? Given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when he was speaking to them and he breathed on them, the word breathe there comes from the word nova, which the same, it's the same word in the Greek and the Hebrew for wind, uh, breath, spirit, same exact word. So he breathed on them. He was demonstrating. He was saying what? And then we go to Acts chapter 2. It said on the day of Pentecost when fully come, they were all one accord in one place. And there suddenly came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing the same word for when there was the same word he used to breathe on him. So when he, he breathed on him, he went, I don't have anything. He went like that. When he breathed on him, he was prophesying and demonstrating what was going to come in Acts chapter 2. He, he was saying, there is a wind that is going to hit you. Amen. Ain't that good there? So, so, and then he says, nevertheless, you know, we just read it. He said, uh, John 16, 7, if you got that one. Uh, nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it is expedient for you that I go away. For I, if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He's talking about, he said, what he's saying is this physical body will leave. But my spirit, you'll go from me being around to me being within. My spirit will come on the inside of you when I leave this physical realm. Same God. Same spirit. Same word. That's good, ain't it? Now, now um, let's go here. Uh Somebody gave me this question here. I'm looking at a few here. It says, who raised Jesus from the dead? I mean, that's a good question, right? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Okay. Obviously, we know the Spirit of God raised him from the dead, but he raised himself from the dead. You say, well, well how do you know that? Well, uh, he said to them, what did he say to them? Go to John 2, verse 19 through 21. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I... I'm about to let y'all teach tonight. I'm just saying, I think y'all got this better than me here. Y'all been studying. He said, what? He wasn't talking about a natural structure. No, you're not. You are the temple of the Holy. He was talking about the body. He said, I will raise it up. Nothing can destroy me. I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth. Now, I don't know about you, but I've studied other religions and there's no other God who raised himself up from the dead, but there's no other God who went to hell and defeated death, hell, and the grave and took the keys 
and now is dwelling on the inside of those who are saved by his name. My God, I feel his presence here tonight. He's saying, I will let nothing, not even man's sin can destroy me. I will come back and redeem him. I'm holding it back. I'm just holding it back. I, I feel the, the heavenly language. I'm, I'm trying, to, trying to contain myself. My God, if you ever get a revelation, if you ever understand. Somebody said to me, they said, how, how do you do? I said, because I know who he is. It's not in myself. It's not in how great I am or how wonderful I am. But I boast in the Lord, the creator of the heaven and the earth, who came down, won my redemption. But he said, I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you for but just a minute because I'm going to come and live on the inside of you. And he said, greater work shall ye do. I'm looking at some people that are about to do some great things. You're about to do greater. You're about to experience greater. You're about to see greater. You're about to see greater miracles. You're about to have greater revelation. There is something greater that is coming to you. If you can let the veil go off your eyes and see that your creator died for you, redeemed you, washed you, set you free, and now he lives on the inside. Oh, glory to God. Can you say amen? I'm going to give you something for free here. In the book of Acts, when... Stephen, which I already explained this, I ain't going to explain it again. When he looked up and he saw the Son of God at the right hand, he wasn't talking about another individual. We know that. Because if he, if he was talking about another individual, he totally ignored the other one. Right? Remember, we talked about this last week. If you wouldn't hear, sorry. The Bible says that those who are the sons of God... Are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible, now even if you're female, this doesn't exempt you. You're, you're incorporated in this. So don't, don't, don't let anybody tell you different. Because there's nor male nor female. Alright? Now, li- li- listen to this. We're known as the sons of God. The Bible says that you're seated in heavenly places with Him. Maybe, now I don't hold me to it. This is Brandon. Maybe Stephen just saw himself sitting with God. Son of God, wasn't he? Maybe he saw himself. Maybe when you start seeing yourself seated in heavenly places with him. All right, I'll move on. All right, now we know, uh, now, now let, me, let me say this to you, because th- th- this is an issue here. 
You ask a lot of people what they believe in, most of them will say what, we, what we're, we've been teaching here. Okay? They will tell you that because they, the, they, they, they don't know the difference concerning. But they'll tell you pretty much what we've been teaching the last three weeks, they believe that. They might not know how to explain it. They might be scared to explain it. Might be worried about what other people are going to think of them and all those things. And you got to just get out of that and forget it and realize God will raise you up and He'll take care of you. He'll be a father to the fatherless. All those things. But a lot of people, when they when they really dive into the theology of Scripture, they always many times get confused. They start with the New Testament, and then they go to Greek philosophy, and then they begin to view it through uh, the Greek language, which a lot of it is, uh, some of it is correct and some of it is good, but it also has to always be confirmed with the Hebrew. So in order for you to really find out who God is, you have to first start in the Old Testament. Then go to the New Testament. And sometimes we get that backwards and then we're missing the big picture of who God really is. Because we're, we're viewing things from a different century. What we're, what we're seeing and then... Sometimes we don't even go by the New Testament. We go by theology that was based in different centuries that was by a group of people who were influenced by a certain denomination. And then we view it through that and then we, are, we then have been told this all our lives and because we've been told this all our lives, we automatically assume, well, grandpa believed it, grandma believed it, great-grandma believed it, great-grandpa believed it, and all these believe it, that that's just the way it is. Right? How many you believe it? How many you know what I'm talking about? So then, you also, too, if you don't know how to explain this to your family, you create a fight, you, you know, all those different things, and then there's a big rowdy blow-up and all those great things. You know? But one thing I know is that if you just preach Jesus... And show people Jesus. They'll get a revelation of it themselves. Because a lot of this can't be taught. It can only be caught. Can you say amen to that? So we know Jesus is Jehovah. Because from the Old Testament. Okay, Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David, a righteous branch. Who do you think he's talking about? A king shall call, reign, and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Next verse, please. And in the days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. This is his name whereby he shall be called the, the Lord our righteousness the Lord our righteousness John 8 58 Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you 
before Abraham was. If I had a mic, I'd drop it. Before who? I was. When Moses, we'll talk some about this Sunday, when Moses had the burning bush experience, the fire was not consumed. A lot of times in the Old Testament when it talks about the angel of the Lord, who do you think it's talking about? Jesus. The fire was not consumed. He said, who do I tell who sent me? He said, you tell him. Before Abraham, I was. Acts 9.5. Hold it down there, Franklin. Don't bust the, don't tear the seat up up here now. And he said, who art thou, Lord? Okay, hold up a minute. We're talking about Saul here. Now, Saul is a man of wisdom, a, a, a scholar, okay? He is the top theologian. The top theologian. And he says to this, who art thou? Okay. Why is he saying Lord? Why is he calling him Lord? Have you ever thought about, stop and think about that. He's calling him Lord because... Doggone, that's who he is. <laughs> who art thou? What? Lord. And who's, who said? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the prick. No, no. Listen, this is what you call a man who just fell from his donkey. Okay, there's another word for it in the King James, but we'll just stick with donkey. I said that one day and Bishop said, he was on the front, he goes, we got a few of those. <laughs> I can say it now. He said, we got a few of those. He said it loud too. I heard him from the pulpit. I thought, Got a few of those. You remember that? And uh, he fell from the donkey to the ground. The power of God hit, hit Saul so hard, it knocked the S off and stuck a P there. He went from Saul to Paul. He immediately got converted and knew who God was. He got converted on the way down from the donkey to the ground and confessed. Nobody led him in a prayer. Nobody had to give him some great sermon. Why? Because when you meet Jesus and you figure out who he really is, he'll, he ain't nobody got to say a word to you. Ain't nobody got to tell. When you experience the power of the Holy Ghost, when you experience Jesus, Ain't nobody got to try to talk you into coming. Ain't nobody got to try to talk you into anything. When you experience him, you'll blow down the doors trying to get in the building. You'll rip the doors off the hinges 
and you'll tell everybody about it. It could be possible that the church is not growing in America is because they don't really know who God is. Because if you know who he is, you can't help but to tell others and everybody around him you what who he is and what he has done for your life. The church grew when I was a kid because we went out every weekend and knocked on doors and told everybody about him. Why? Because we knew who he was. We had an encounter with him. We met Jesus. We saw Jesus. And because we saw him, we couldn't contain it. You can't hold it back when you really know who he is. My Lord, it's like you're in a, a horse in a race shoot ready to get out. You can't hold it back. Now listen to what Jesus told him. He said, you're going to rise and go unto Ananias. And he said, Nananias is going to baptize you. And when he baptized you, he's going to baptize you in my name and you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, you had an encounter. You saw me, but now I'm going to get on the inside of you. You are going to get closer to God than you've ever been when you start to realize who he is. And what he's done for you. How many of you desire your relationship to get greater? It's kind of. It's in moments like this. It's in times like this. It's in this. God begins to show you who he is. And you don't just hear it from the words of man's lips. But he speaks to you through his word. He was the what? Word made flesh. He speaks to you. He wants, he wants you to know him. Not through your pastor. Not through your grandma. Or your grandpa. Or your brother. Or your sister. Your mom and dad. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And he wants you to know that he's the only one who can save you. Nothing else. Nothing else. You know, when you really know that he's a loving kindness, you know, Greek philosophy always puts God in the Greek. They always put God up high somewhere that can't be reached. That's why when religion looks at the scriptures, God is always separated from man. But God is not a God who doesn't have an emotions or feelings or anything like that. He's not a God who just wants to stay away from people in his creation. He's a God who wants to live in his creation. He wants to live. He wants. We studied the Gospels. We see that Jesus got in the ground and wrote in the dirt with adulteress. Wasn't afraid or, oh, be out of my sight. No, he got in the ground. When Lazarus, his best friend, died, the Bible says he wept. He was broken that his friend died. He had emotion. He, he, he wasn't just stiff-necked, 
staunch 45-minute church service tell me how great I am. He cried. And then he told him, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He said, do you believe he'll rise again? And she goes, I believe he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last days. He said, no, that ain't what I asked you. Because we always want, see, see, theology always wants to put it off. But you can, have, you can have the power now. You can have the miracle now. You can have revival now. You can have what you need now, the provision now. Because God is with us now. He's with you now. He spoke into that tomb. The same God that created the heavens and the earth spoke in a tomb and called a man who had been dead for four days, stinking. Stand to your feet tonight. Stinking. He was tied up with grave clothes. He couldn't even, do you understand that Lazarus, if you really study and think about it, I like to read, stop, and think about what I read. Anybody? I don't just read it straight through. He was so bound up that he didn't possess the ability to walk. So how did Lazarus get out of a tomb if he was tied up and couldn't walk in the great clothes? Not only did God bring him back to Jesus, bring him back to life, but he lifted him up off of that table. The tomb was down in the ground had steps coming up. He picked him up off of that table and brought him to the entrance and out. And then we know after that, Jesus said to him, take the grave clothes off of him, loose him, and let him go. God just won't bring you back to life, but he'll pick you up out of your mess and take you where he wants to take you. I don't know about you, but I want to serve a God that can speak into a, a, a tomb full of dead bones. I want to serve a God who can turn the water into wine. I want to serve a God who can feed 5,000 men, not including women and children. That's the God I serve. His name is Jesus. How many of you ever seen the saying, or you said it, Jesus is what, Lord? The word Lord there translates out to the word Jehovah. He is Jehovah. You're gone. Have you been blessed tonight? Lift your hands. Lord, we thank you for tonight. Let this word take root in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds. Protect us from an enemy that would try to come and rob us of our harvest from this word with negative thoughts and feelings and arguments and challenges and trials. Lord, we just put a hedge of protection around your people tonight. We speak favor over their life. We speak blessing over their life. We speak prosperity over their life. And I thank you between now and Sunday, when they come to church Sunday morning, there's going to be testimonies of miracles, 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 signs and wonders, testimonies of financial miracles, 
breakthrough, everything. Lord, you are our provider, not man. So we trust you. We thank you. And we speak blessings upon your people. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. We love you. God bless you. See you Sunday. Wow, what a powerful message from Pastor Brandon Spiker. If you've been blessed by this message, we want to encourage you to head over to www.mycornerstone.church or the Church Center app where you can share your testimony with us. We'd love to hear it. Here you can also send in any prayer requests and we also ask that you consider sowing into Cornerstone so that we can continue to reach people all around the world. While you're there, you can also check out all of our upcoming events. We have something for the entire family. Come and join us in person on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. You can also join Cornerstone Espanol, our Spanish-speaking service, on Sundays at 1 p.m. Your family is always welcome here. We love you. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.